You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Dev Show. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and founder of The Dev Method, which is my system for goal setting simplified. My vision is to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation you need to figure out what you want and help you make a plan to get it. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, and the Dream Speaker Team is back. I'm Deborah Eckerling, author of Your Goal Guide and creator of The Dev Method for Goal Setting Simplified. And every week, I bring in three friends to dive into the topic of the week. And I believe it was last fall, I invited Bobby Carlton, Robbie Samuels, and John Chen, and we talked about virtual meetings. And then a couple months ago, we talked about speaking and accessibility. And of course, such a good group. We weren't even finished when we're like, okay, guys, what's next? And what's next is, thank you, Bobby, for the suggestion, speaker fails because we could speak, you could be speaking forever and ever. It's part of the whole being a speaker, awesome thing. So I'm really glad you suggested it, Bobby, and I'm thrilled to have you all here today. Um, this is, you might be watching this as Gold Chat Live, you may be watching the replay, or you may be listening to us as the Dev Show Podcast, which is on the Marketing Podcast Network. Wherever you're finding us, we're glad you're here and choosing your speaking goals. Um, let's jump in, and before we do that, because it could be there could possibly be people who don't know us. So let's start with some introductions. So Bobby, please share who you are, why you're here, and why this topic. Go. So I, hi, I'm Bobby Carlton. I'm the founder of Innovation Women, which is a mission-oriented online speaker bureau. And contrary to popular belief, Innovation Women is not all just women, as both Sean and Robbie are members as well as well as a number of other, I will say, secure males and non-binary individuals. But we help more women get on stage and we help conferences become a little bit more diverse and gender equitable and inclusive. And why this, why, why this topic? I mean, oh. other than duh, it's obvious, but why this topic, Bobby? Hmm. I think sometimes we sabotage ourselves and we don't realize that we are sabotaging ourselves. And I've got some good examples for later. So stick around. Awesome. Love it. John, welcome. Good to see you. And this, for those who are listening to the podcast, John is demonstrating the ultimate speaker fail, which is talking without unmuting. It's just the classic one, but I have to show with this, right? That like speaker failures are so key. I'm John Chen. I'm the author of a book called Engaging Virtual Meetings, right? One of our jobs is to like make sure that speakers don't do that. 
but it is one of the biggest ones. And I got to share this, like Matthew McConaughey today had a gigantic live stream on today. And my, as my friend sent me this video, oh, hold it. Oh, this video over here. And this is Matthew McConaughey's beginning part. Now take a look for a second here on this video. And if you see above my head, you're going to see that no sound, no sound, no sound, no sound, no sound. That's a chat. And if you don't, can't see the bottom left of that, that's 300 thousand people watching this live stream right now that's why this this thing is so important because the bigger your audience the bigger the impact it is when nobody can hear you say something it's sort of like if you zoom with the mute on just account well like is it i know there's a this is why i say i'm not funny it's the if a tree falls in the forest does it make a sound? If you're talking and it's muted, no. Beware of the mute button. Great to see you, John. Thank you for joining us today. And Robbie Samuels, great to see Howdy. you again so soon. I just interviewed Robbie for my new podcast, Taste Buds mm -hmm. with Deb, which is launching <clears throat> the beginning yeah. of May. And here we, because Robbie wrote a book called Croissants versus bagels. But that isn't even the entire reason we're here today. So no. Robbie, but I had to share because I, yeah. I think I'm just proud of myself for being the first food podcast that you've been on. It's true. That was a great day. So uh, so yes, I'm Robbie Samuels and I have written a couple of books. Uh, my third is Break Out of Boredom, Low Tech Solutions for Highly Engaging Zoom Events. And uh, I think that, you know, as a producer, I have witnessed lots of speaker fails and try my best to help my speakers avoid them by doing the prep work. So I think it's worth reminding people about all this. It's such a good point because it really is a reminder. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can be, I've been, I've been speaking since like, well, ever, but I did competitive speaking in high school and college, but things happen. You can be speaking for years and years and it doesn't matter. We're in this age where uh, can everybody hear the siren? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are they coming for we, you, Deborah? Uh, no, my neighbors. Different story. <laughs> anyway, no, we live in this in this technical age when anything and everything can go wrong, and part of it is fails, but part of it is just kind of going with the flow. In I mean, I think that's what you right? what you just said is why it's important to hire professionals to support your event because. We have seen it all and we are not flustered. I think the biggest compliment I get from clients when things go wrong, and I have an example from just the other day, we just were like, yep, plan B, plan C, or plan D. And then like we got it to work and no one freaked out. Everyone still got to go to the event. You know, it all worked out. And I think, you know, if they were left to their own devices, that may not have happened because they were really, they were like concerned until we were like, oh, let's just do this. And they were like, okay. And it's like, we gave them an action plan. So we happen to have to do like a few action plans to get that one to work. Um, but yeah, that's, that's part of it. And I think the more we speak and the more we aim to get 5% better, uh, whether we're speaking in person or virtually, I think these are the little things you plan for. And Robbie, on top of that, it's not just what a producer does to fix and have a plan BCD. It's the speed they can go through plan BCD. Oh, yeah. Right. That's the killer 100%. of Matthew's live stream is that that sound like for a second or two, then you, if you pick it up and the audience will give you grace. But if it's like a 45 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, they're going to be like, who are you? Right? Yeah, I'm out of here. 
yeah, how did you get this? And so I really think that speed is something that's so important. Mm. I, I like, Robbie, you were talking about plan A, plan B, plan C. There are 26 letters of the alphabet for a reason. <laughs> And, and there's more backup plans that you need than 26. Well, you can double and quadruple those letters if we want to get that kind of picky. So, Bobby. Hi. Can you share one of these stories that you teased? Do you have like a favorite speaker? Oh, my story? gosh. Well, I have like a long list and I tend to categorize them into things that keep speakers from getting opportunities things that keep speakers from getting invited back and things that just, I'm not going to say ingratiate you with the event managers and your hosts, but there are things that irk audiences. So, you know, it's like, I have this whole swath of these things and uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You guys were talking about the plan a plan B plan C because, you know, when we are doing, um, the Innovation Women webinar series. So we've done over a hundred of these. And beforehand, we always have a rehearsal every single time. Number one, because a lot of our speakers have never been on the Bright Talk platform. Like if somebody offers you a technical rehearsal, take it. I don't yeah. care if you've been on Zoom a million times. There might be some reason that they have like specifically said technical rehearsal. And for Bright Talk, we always offer a technical rehearsal because it has some little interesting, let's call them features, that uh, not every speaker is prepared for. For example, Bright Talk has a 30-second delay. Like, I don't know if they're expecting like a string of swears from our speakers or something, 30 seconds is a really long time. And every time we prep a speaker on the Bright Talk platform, like this is one of the things that I talk to them about. But I feel like until you have emotionally accepted the fact that there is a 30 second delay, it's just not going to impinge upon your brain. So very often we'll get a speaker who will be, wanting to engage with the audience on bright talk who will be like so what do you think about x y and z audience put it in the chat i'll wait and i'm like no don't wait it's like 30 seconds of dead air that's happening yeah it's a long time so like that's one of those things that you know it's just you learn that by showing up and having somebody beat that into your brain Bobby, I actually uh, produced an event for California WIC Association where uh, the speakers and the, the chat moderators are in Zoom, a Zoom meeting, but it is live streamed to Hubaloo. Uh -huh. And the, the delay could be as little as seven seconds. It's often 15, but this last time it was 26 seconds almost every single time. And I'll know because I have a countdown clock at the very beginning and I'll write a note. And I'll tell them all about it. And then in chat, I'll be like, by the way, this is the delay. And so we try to train them to say things like, all right, go to chat. I'm going to ask you to do this thing. Here's this thing. And now I'm going to talk about it a little bit. <laughs> and I'm like, and if you just sit there, uh, I'm going to unmute and poke you a little bit. I'm like, your moderator is going to ask you questions. Like, yeah, we have to, and then because they don't really know what to do. We're like, here's how you 
plan for this. Here's how you don't tell them after don't do a whole prelude and then say go to chat because like they, that just delays the answers coming in. Um, yeah, but yet I really I'm like I encourage them to think about how to use polls and chat, right? Because we want some engagement, mm -hmm. but it is that's that's a the difficulty uh, that they probably aren't used to. to being yeah, part and. Of. And, you know, where I was going was kind of like the whole take the rehearsals. If yes. you're offered the rehearsals, take the rehearsals. If you're not offered a rehearsal, beg for a rehearsal. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't care. Just do the rehearsal, people. Another thing that we do is we tell our speakers, hey, you know what? Things happen. You know, your Internet goes out. The power goes out. Your car goes by and grabs your audio on bluetooth i don't know like things happen come back like you know i'll vamp for a couple seconds if it happens again i'm canceling your ass and i'm gonna record it later and you know because we're not gonna do this back and forth back and forth back and forth back and forth that is just designed to annoy the audience i lose you once and you can come back awesome i lose you twice we're done here Oh my goodness. I, I do have rules and you will, well, you all, obviously you play by them because you keep getting invited back after time and time again, but I am with you. If someone has something beyond their control, then I might invite them back. It also helps when I have three guests and one guest has a problem because that's not, um, there's a nice little balance of that, but I've been on panels where the host was kicked out. And I love, well, it's me. So of course I, it's like the two seconds and then I just go into dev mode. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of a nice also overcorrection, right? If you're on a panel and the host is having problems, knowing these skills to fill in is also super helpful. Yep. Uh, and you mentioned audience participation. So I want to give a shout out because we do have some people watching Live, well, some people commenting, so I know who they are. So Donna Roberts Cunningham, welcome. Good to see you. And Donna has a question. Um, also, Phil Marchand, really happy to, to see you and have you here. I love it when all the worlds collide. Um, and we'll, and I love all the feedback as well, because one of the things that Phil said minutes ago, boredom, another fail. So we're going to talk about boredom in a second, but I really want to talk about the mic fail. So Donna wants to know what microphone everyone's using and recommendations. So I'll start. I use my earbuds because as you've noticed, lots of outside noise. These are the ones that filter the outside noise better. My, my professional pretty mic I use for my podcast filters nothing. So we've got that little balance thing going. Bobby. Oh, I absolutely love my Rode NT1 large diaphragm condenser microphone. <laughs> oh, love you, baby. <laughs> I, I, my voice actually doesn't sound like this. I sound a little more akin to Mickey Mouse in real life. No, uh, but no, I just love this thing. And, you know, that nice warm tone on it. Love it. Robbie. Uh, so I was influenced by Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income when I was deciding my microphone. This is the one he's been using. It's the Heil PR40. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, invested in it back when it was 2015. 
And it sort of forced me to keep going with a podcast because now it's an expensive mic because I've used it for so many years. Uh, but it's upfront investment. And uh, I got it because I was living across the street from a hospital in a hospital district on a main road in a, a dorm room on a college campus when I was hosting my podcast. <laughs> and then I had kids. And so this thing actually does an incredible job. Uh, not Directional. Up. Uh, random noise, including yes. my kids banging at the door or traffic outside. That's why I have this. Nice. And John? Well, my favorite Mike story really comes from a CEO of a company, and he changed positions from when he was in rehearsal to when he uh, came on. And what did he do? He went into the meeting room that had all glass walls. And then switched from a regular, like, decent Yeti mic to a laptop mic, right? Which gives you the impression that you are in your bathroom, is what it sounds like. And so it's really key. So the mic that I use and love and swear by, this is a countryman. So these over-the-ears, it's really, it's nice because then I don't have, I have one more thing that's out of my way. Uh, and then it's wireless. So uh, you've seen I can get up and walk in some of my programs. But let me just switch so you can see the difference. And this is a Shure SM58. This is the hallmark for singers. If you ever see them live, these are the mics that like the who swings around in a circle. And if somebody does a mic drop, it's usually one of these mics and all the AV people are going, no, because oh. <laughs> it breaks the mic when you do the mic drop. But if you can see the difference, right, so between rich. two mics, right, there's a, a richness. And one of my favorite stories about having the right mic is that... Uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, right? Who's, who did, who wrote Eat, Love, Pray was about Eat, to, pray, love. yeah, in, in rehearsal picked up that it sounded like she was in the shower too. She goes, I said, do you have another mic? And she goes, oh yeah. And she trumps off. Then she walks back and she goes, you mean one of these? And it's like a USB, right? High end USB mic. And it just changed her whole keynote to the fact to me, it was one of the best keynotes in the last three years. And one of the key factors was her mic. Mics are so important. If you don't have a mic, go get one for crying out loud. It's less than a hundred bucks. I just want to so add there. that. I just want to add that in my book, I, I was saying, um, you know, if, if people have audio issues, like people will turn off the show. Like if there's video issues, people will stick around. And my assistant was like, Oh, I don't know. And so I did some research and it very much backs that up. And if they stay, they think that you and the information you're sharing is less credible. So even if people don't leave and you have a really bad audio, that's not a good sign uh, for your longevity and the work that you're doing. So exactly. if you yeah. can invest in better audio, like that's the thing to do. And it isn't, a, it is not very, this is expensive. I don't actually, I've only sold two people on this in eight years. Uh, I mostly just tell people to get a Blue Yeti and to set it up correctly. The way Bobby has hers hanging is the way you would want to hang a Blue Yeti. And most people are doing what I'm doing. And this is a Blue Yeti you would not speak to like this. You'd want to have it hang like that. And I think people sometimes get equipment and don't know how to set it up. And they don't know what settings to do. And so even if you have a good mic, it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to have the best sound unless someone helps you set it up properly. Yes. Instructions I are key. Oh, and Bobby, everybody says you sound good. <laughs> so Nicole Smith, welcome, welcome. Donna also had compliments for you. Uh, yeah, that's about it. 
So and, ju- I was- and just for the person that said I sound like I'm on radio, I have a broadcasting <laughs> degree and I actually did work in radio early on in my career. So I, yes. I feel like we should do Good something. This is uh, coming up next on NPR. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. I have to do my thing. Do it, do it, Bobby. Go. WTRY picks 106, Albany, Schenectady, Troy. You yes. always remember your first call sign, baby. <laughs> That's so awesome. So another speaker fail that I have had, just to shift back to that for a second, is people who have a nice looking microphone visible in the shot, but I can tell they're not using it. I know. I've done it. So if I'm producing while we're doing the green room, I'm like, could you, I'm always trying to be so gentle. I'm like, could you just double check? I don't know. I'm hearing, could you, and they check and it's like. It's kind of like the difference that John had between his countrymen and like the one, the other mic. Like it's like such a stark shift. And I go, and they can't tell. And I go, yeah, that's much better. Anyone else agree? Great. Okay, let's stick with this. Sometimes they come in with headsets, and I go, can we try it with just your your computer mic? Because uh, they're using Bluetooth headsets, and they they take out the Bluetooth, and they and I go, yeah, actually that is better. Your Bluetooth looks good, but it was kind of tinny. So, I mean, just people don't know. Like, and unless you record yourself and play it back, it's really That's hard to get yes. a sense of it. That's the number one tip, Robbie, for speakers. If you don't, because like most of the time, uh, virtuals don't give you back the feedback, like uh, how it sounds. And so you need to record it, go back, listen to it, yeah. right? And then fix it. And I do think that speakers need to have that. Because I really think what comes to what Robbie was talking about, your executive presence or your speaker presence is so important. And your audio is like 75% of it. Cause you're right. You can like, uh, I could turn off my camera and keep going, but if my mm-hmm. audio dies, it is game time over. Mm-hmm. So part of being prepared, part of that rehearsal, having a good mic, making sure you sound good because that's important. And, uh, but jacking on it, you know, this is a very nice prop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was doing a pan. This is how I got to these microphones. I was doing a panel using my my pretty ATR, and I kept getting comments: "Too much background noise. Will you please find another microphone?" So wow, I I know, but listening to feedback, you know, the good kind, not the <laughs> kind, and adjusting, which goes back to what we started off. A problem is one thing. But the speed at which you can adjust to is turning a fail into a success. Mm-hmm. Discuss. Oh, um, or before we do that, Phil has a question. Robbie, what are your thoughts on the mic appearing in videos? I, for me, it's become part of my brands. Uh, I'm curious what Bobby thinks. Like, you know, I, I went to uh, re- do a pre-record for a big event. And um, they had a company doing producing and I was like, yeah, whatever your checklist is, I'll just follow it. And they were trying to figure out, can you get that out of your frame? And I'm like, nope. They're like, can you, I'm like, I'll show you what happens. And you know, like I moved out of the frame and I'm like, can you, can you hear me? And they're like, I can switch to my computer mic. They're like, no, you sounded really good. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, that's right. (laughs) So it's like, it's just become part of the brand and it's fine. I think embrace it. There are um, a friend of mine has one of those gunshot, no, sorry, shotgun mics that you can't see. It's like right above their head, like a like at a mo- movie studio, um, and it works really well. But I think uh, they would have the same problem that you have, Deb, about you know 
noise because it's like it's pulling in too much. I had a very specific problem and the people that I've sort of sold on this solution similarly had to deal with a lot of things they couldn't control for. I'm also sitting in a room with a wood wall and wood floors and wood surfaces and a window for an entire wall and you can't tell. And if I'd had other mics, too many hearts. I mean, I would have to be sitting on cushions and putting ta tapestries on my wall. And I, 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 yeah, I'm, I don't want to sit in the closet to produce a podcast, um, even though that is a solution. And I want to be able to do video without you seeing all my clothes, basically. Yeah. And for me, mine is hanging this way because this is part of my entire desktop setup. And so when I'm not on mic, which I hate to say it these days, uh, it's a lot. I can move the whole thing back. It's out of the way. I can focus on what I'm doing. But when I'm speaking, uh, actually, when I'm speaking, I'm usually standing and the whole desk goes up and the boom arm that I'm using is actually attached to the thing that goes up as well. So it goes up with the whole standing desk. Nice. Um, but I, it's kind of funny. I do think that the having a showing mic sends a little signal to people. And the signal is this person is serious. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. I, I, I had a <laughs> early on before the pandemic, I had a six by six cardboard wall that I was using to like as a backdrop because I was in a little tiny studio and until my kid learned how to walk, it was perfect. And then my kid would walk by and knock it down, but, but no one knew it was a cardboard wall. It was just kind of this white and it would curve around a little bit. People thought because I was wearing like the over ear headphones and had this mic that I was in a podcast studio. That was everyone's like, like yeah. they didn't look at me and go like, Oh, look at that cheap set up they were like oh <laughs> like you're such a pro and i always joke it's like showing up with your own q-stick to a pool hall like you better be good <laughs> that yeah, is a really good analogy i John, think you were gonna jump on in yeah uh, yeah and a mic in and mic out right i mean in the wireless part that's the nice part is that no matter where you are you turn your head left or right because there are things here with this mic and there's some research now. Let's see. Does anybody know what the word frustrum? Do you know what the word frustrum means? Frustrum? Yes. Frustrum. Got All right. Maybe somebody on chat. I'll just wait here. No, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, frustrum. Wait, we do not need examples of <laughs> So frustrum is actually the amount of space that you can uh, be in to participate a valid, uh, validly in a virtual meeting. So what happens is, you know, in Robbie's example is that this is why the mic has to be this close because watch the difference, you know, right now. You can actually hear some vocal quality things that you wouldn't hear in other meetings. But if you start moving, right, one foot, two foot, three foot, four foot, I'm talking exactly the same, but you out there are like not getting this. Yeah instead of this voice. And so that's what I mean. If you're going to take the mic out, you got to have a high quality wireless solution. And if not, put the mic in mainly for this key part. When you get this close to the mic, you can now really be a dynamic virtual speaker. That's it. So 
Are there any, before we jump into fun things like keeping people on board, I know it's not a word, I don't care. Are there any other technical fails or rather solutions How much to time technical we got? fails that I we mean, need yeah, to jump like, into? I, I know there are some. Pick a favorite. I'll jump, I'll, jump on, I'll jump on my favorite one right now, right? Which is verbalizing when you don't need to verbalize anymore. It's 2023 right now. And if I could never hear another person say, and now I'm going to share my screen. <laughs> right? If I just like share your screen and just keep talking. But if you could just save the 42 seconds of my life of saying. Well, it's now. not just they say that. They then narrate all their their steps and they like or they say like okay so break breakout rooms let's see how many how many people do we have let's see um all right oh, math i don't really like using math let's see and it's like <laughs> it figures it out don't for need you. Math. <laughs> it it don't need math why didn't you decide before this moment how many people in the room regardless of how many people in the event like you're not you're not 400 people it's only 60 you could just have decided four people per room you know like and do you want four or five or do you want three or four like just decide but yes and then my other one is when they show us their entire desktop when they're trying to get to something because they didn't have it open they share their screen prematurely nothing is set up and then they're narrating their way through i and then you see their inbox with 42,000 emails, Robbie. That's my fate. Don't look. I love Don't that. look. Don't look. I always yeah. feel like that. That's like I have visually a eavesdropping, one. right? I have, I have one for you. It's when they show either PowerPoint or Google Slides and they haven't shifted into slideshow. Top of, so top. you see the little row on the side of all their previous, like all the slides coming yeah. up and you're like, don't look, don't look, don't look. Well, the best part, Bobby, is when they leave it that way and then present a whole segment. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, and they tell you that they have to. Why? Like, like I've had be like, oh, no, I have to do it this way. No. Like, well, because I had somebody moving stuff on the slide, Robbie. Right. She needed to do that because she part of her gig was to oh. take the slide and move stuff around. <laughs> and Donna. Donna, just, Donna just put the favorite in the chat and they say, can you see my slides? Can you see my slides? It's another reason to work with a chat moderator or a producer is we will tell you if you are muted. We will tell you if you're showing the wrong thing or not showing. Don't say anything. We will tell you. We will unmute and like assume everything's working. Save everyone from hearing that. Yeah, that is definitely a thing. I, I just watched someone do a video where they were using a tablet to, to handwrite all the words on a slide. And so he was like small on the side. And so he would he was looking down for like 95 seconds to write it all out. He spelled the word there wrong twice. And, and, I, and I was like, and then he would look up and I'm like, is this really the better plan? Like it made me itchy. Like it just was like, oh, you know, maybe on one slide. Like I just the entire presentation. And then you know, you could have just like had a handwriting font <laughs> if you really wanted. To I actually it saw anyway. someone recently do a presentation, handwritten slides. Yeah. And yeah. I will fully admit beautiful handwriting. Yes, yes, yes. Very important. Well, gorgeous handwriting gorgeous. but i'm like everything was so faint i'm in the back going i can't see that you know oh. 
Yeah. Well, and then, Robbie, we might as well pile on the time when a speaker shows a video and doesn't click that it's a video and doesn't click that it has sound. And and that's it. Like you play this all of 2020. Yeah. Gorgeous. That was the biggest thing in 2020 is no one understood how to make sound happen on a video. And like, it, and the thing is, they didn't fix it the first or second or third or fourth time. They would be like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like. November 2020, and they're still showing up being like, I don't know. Uh, well, Donna actually shared recently that somebody goes, you can annotate? <laughs> like, really? 2023, you can annotate? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. So my my uh, my uh, 2020 uh, story was that twice in, I would say like April and May, so really early, I attended sessions where people were going to show us how to use Zoom because I was like really curious what other people were teaching. And um, and I went to one by a reputable organization that was being led by someone I think was a reputable trainer, speaker, facilitator. And at some point she goes, okay, now we're going to do breakout rooms. Oh, wait, they're not enabled. And so she was like, okay, because she was, of course, using the organization's Zoom. So, <laughs> And then she goes... And I was like, oh, I mean, this kind of thing happens. I was like, we're all, and she goes, okay, you have to, we have to leave because we have to enable it and then restart the meeting. And then as we we're about to go, she goes, oh, last time I learned that you have to wait 30 seconds before you come back in. And all I heard was this happened before. And so <laughs> one way to think about this is that if you're in person, you have an AV rider, which is the, the document where you communicate to the host your needs. Like if you go to a Marriott to present and you get on stage and suddenly realize there's no projector, whose fault is that? Right. You cannot blame them. If you didn't, first of all, you didn't ask for it. Second, if you didn't double check that it was there when you got in the room, you know, like these are the kind of things that speakers sort of almost like, at, like just let go of any responsibility. Like somebody else is in charge. Well, not only are you virtually, you're kind of running everything. Like you're, you're figuring out the venue and the tech and like getting your own water on the lectern. Like everything is you. So I created my first uh, set of the no more bad zoom virtual uh, zoom settings checklist back in 2020 in response to that. And it's changed so much over time, but yes, making sure that if you're using someone else's zoom account, that they've enabled everything. Uh, like if you want to use the, the nonverbal check Mark, green X, uh, you know, uh, green check mark, red X, that it's there. Like, don't, or have a, someone be a co-host. Like, these are all the things that, like, someone has to enable for you. It's so true. And so I'd have to, I if I speak on somebody else's account, I say, I got to meet with you and review all the settings in your account. And they're like, we'll use yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I send them the document instead of having to even offer that. And they, either they do it or they say, we'll just use yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like you know. I, I got to jump on Donna's comment here, though. How do you kindly tell a speaker that they need to practice and especially filler words? So, you know, we're watching the new series, too. Are, have any of you watched um, uh, Love is Blind? Right. And yeah. so I'm watching this Love is Blind. And, and I got to just say for our younger generation, like, like your ability to say like all the time, like is kind of like too much. Like and so she, <laughs> Donna just recently had a speaker. I think that said twenty five percent filler words. It's painful in the audience. She's a Toastmaster too, by the way. So she, she, all she's doing is counting one, two, three, four, five. Right, and it's just so painful that that again. I really worked hard at it in the last six months to use a tool. Uh, again, I'm not getting paid, no endorsement fee here, but Udly, Y O O D L I dot AI 
it'll drop a bot in there and give you back a report on your filler words. And I, I dropped it from six to 3% and I got, um, which I got to be, ter- I, I'm terrible at, but I moved it from first to six. So as speakers, right, all of us as speakers, it's amazing how many professional speakers too use filler words to the point where it's detracting from their, their credibility and tracking from their message. Yeah. Filler words come about when you are thinking when you don't know exactly what you're going to say. And I feel like a lot of speakers, when they use filler words, they're killing a little time while their brain catches up and figures out what they're going to say next. You don't need to do that if you know your presentation, you know what you're going to say, and you also use pauses as punctuation. No need for filler if you use those pauses. I think that actually pausing online is really powerful and I've used it as a way to bring people's attention back from whatever they've multitasked because usually when there's silence on air, we think there's a problem. So our brains immediately go back to look to see if there's anything wrong and then I continue. (laughs) So used well, it could actually be a way to re-engage people rather than yelling at them to pay attention to you. You can get quiet for a moment. And that's the number one tip to get rid of a filler word is just shut up, <laughs> right? Just take a moment yes, and pause and it will actually come out better. It will actually come out better. I, I want to shout out to Lisa B. Steider, filler words equals verbal pause. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the commonality that I'm getting, and, and I forgot, I love it when I have you all on because I basically don't even have to talk. I can just let you guys go. Um, but the commonality is as a speaker, you want to make the audience comfortable. Anything you do to make the audience uncomfortable, such as verbally telegraphing what you're going to do or talking on mute or not checking your settings, all of that is going to work against you. So look at the audience experience and what's going to make them feel fulfilled. Thoughts? I'm going to actually jump in here because um, I was just this week working with a corporation that is reviewing my slides before I come in and do a presentation. They caught something I had not, I had missed. I haven't seen, I've been using the same slide for years and I completely missed it. And I was a little bit mortified, you know, I mean, thank goodness that they caught it before I ended up on their stage, but it was uh, an image that I had of a newspaper headline with a derogatory term. So what it did is, and I've used this headline for years it was talking about the lack of women on stage at conferences and events. And it talked about the all male panel being lame. And I was like, Oh, I didn't catch that as a derogatory term for people with a disability. And I have been using that slide for forever. And I just cringe right now because that is something that may have made somebody in my audience somewhere feel uncomfortable. And I feel terrible about that. But good lesson. You know, we can always improve and we always also should be updating our slides. I love that 
you run an innovation women. You've been speaking forever. And thank you for sharing that example because it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. We've all been talking for years and years and years, but we can always learn and we can always get better. And you reminded me, I saw somebody who did like, it was a presentation and in it, he was talking about the greatest speakers of all time. And I will not dignify who one of the speakers in it. I will not go to anything this person presents again. Mm. Because if they Mm -hmm. think this person is one of the greatest speakers, they are not my people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we're divisive without realizing it. I mean, um, we already covered a lot of disability access stuff on the last show, but I still want to bring forth my friend Donna, who's blind, telling me that a joke was made. It's part of a presentation and the punchline was on the slide and the speaker never spoke to that point on the slide. So the room erupts in laughter and she to this day is left going, huh? And it's like, please remember that like you need to speak to every point on your slide for a variety of reasons. People are not looking at them. Um, I mean, if it's virtual, they could be taking their kid to soccer. I mean, you don't know. Uh, but yeah, people with low vision or who are blind are in our audiences. And the same thing with, you know, saying things like, you know, stand, the, all this stuff. I mean, like it ha- we do we do these things. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and sometimes people are fine with it. It's funny where like I've had people who are wheelchair users say, like, that's fine. You, you can say walk. <laughs> you can say stand. I understand, you know. But I know others who would be really offended. So I think we do our best to kind of avoid some of the more glaring examples. Well, you you mentioned like kids in soccer. So I'm going to just give two speaker stories of catastrophic failure proportions because it just shows the power that you have as a speaker. And when that power is not used correctly, right, that bad things happen. So one is... um, Again, we're going to go back to mute. There was a coach who was having a call with all of his uh, 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 athletes on the call, uh, but the meeting hadn't started yet. And so he did not know his mic was was not muted. It was hot. And it turned out that he was arranging a three-way for him and his wife (laughs) on air. This was reported to me by somebody else. In a, in a virtual meeting, they said that this was a real thing. So that's the catastrophic way when your private life intersects your public life in not a favorable way, right? Many politicians have fell down to that. But here's another one. This is a best-selling author uh, who I know. And one of the other ones, too, as a speaker is like maintain your mental health, right? We say this all the time, self-care, but this person had been running on the road and got to that point, you know, when, when we were on the road prior to 2020 and might have been doing back-to-back days. And so <clears throat> she hit the stage of a major corporation after 30 minutes of sleep, after like her probably her fifth day traveling. And in the middle of her keynote, she dropped the F-bomb in not a kind way. And Wait, she- had, wait. How do you do it in a kind way and then continue? Well, look at all the authors now that use swear words in the title of their things. So there's some speakers who can create enough rapport or, you know, with their audience and get away with it. I'm just saying this was not one of those cases. (laughs) 
and and literally the client like had to fire her on spot right wow. and this is like a long-term client like it was a it was a costly lesson for this person and i think that you know speakers who don't some of the things that speakers do like we prepare ourselves we get a good night's sleep right we arrange all these things before we get there you know a 1 hour keynote easily takes 8 to 16 hours of prep if it's if it's new and it's unique and it's good and so you know that's what happens when you don't take care of yourself and that's when i think a lot of speakers uh fail is that they get on stage and they are not all there Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, that's the ultimate fail. Well, isn't that go back to when you love what you do? It shows when you don't love what you do. It mm -hmm. really shows. So when you are at the top of your game, it's going to show. But if you aren't and you go out there, it, it's, I, back, you know, when everything was only in person, one of the biggest advice I would give people is if you're not up for a networking event, you do not go to a networking event because you will make the wrong impression. And I think that's still valid. I have a story about in the before times, a virtual program. So back when it was definitely more webinar, um, I was multitasking and like cleaning out my inbox and I had my phone next to me and I was, I was kind of watching what this guy was doing and, and it was sort of on kind of in the background. I was like listening in, taking some notes here and there. And uh, then I went quiet and I was like, oh, program ended, you know. And then like a little, I started hearing some, some voices, uh, but not in like a presentation mode, like a conversation's taking place. And I look over and the guy is getting undressed and ready for bed. <laughs> on camera? On camera and i thought it's this recording is gonna go out like he's not gonna go to the end of his recording you know like he's gonna share the replay <laughs> and i but i like got freaked out and i just like i just hit the end button and then i i didn't know how to reach this guy so like i don't i just like to this day i'm like oh i feel bad i never actually wrote this guy to tell him um so yes be aware of like your camera on and camera off is a big thing. Your mic hot or not is a big thing. I mean, there's people who also sometimes the fail is participants who take their laptop into the bathroom or whatever. Like, I think some of this is like in our control. And sometimes we just have to have really fast reflexes to mute all, all and just like remove people's cameras for them. Because um, you just, yeah, some of this stuff is happening. And this is also why I'm going to keep saying have a chat moderator or have a producer because when I'm presenting, I'm looking at the camera. I'm not necessarily seeing the whole gallery view. So having someone else who is watching that and can like remove people who are being either thoughtfully or like just not thinking uh, they're being disruptive in some way. And uh, yeah, you don't want any of that happening live or in your replay. Yeah, Robbie, I have saved a number of, I think, well to do. Uh, business people here in Seattle by turning off their camera. Yes. As, as their producer. Now, the funny part, too, is to turn on your camera again, you have to ask me. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but, but, uh, and then I private chat them, too, and I let them know, by the way, I turned off your camera, right? And usually that favor will come back around, you know, sometime in your lifetime. But if you want to do a favor, if you're the host of a meeting and you see something, you should definitely turn that camera off and save that person. The embarrassment of getting on to a four billion YouTube <laughs> video. 
I had I had a guy who who didn't realize that he was on video while he was presenting his slides, and he was yelling off screen, like he was muted, but he was yelling to his wife in the other room because he couldn't figure out how to do something, and I had to just turn off his camera because, like, and I, so ever since then, I say to every single speaker, so when you're sharing your slides, we can see you, like I just, just yeah. And how do you, you know, look at the camera or look at your, like, put your notes close to your camera. Like, I, like I also had someone who was like, I might give your notes. They're in a good position. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went like this. And he presented. He said, because he had his notes in a good position. And he just looked off screen the entire time. Oh, this is a great keynote, right? Like this? <laughs> I swear, early on during the pandemic, so many event managers came to us and said, this speaker looks really good for my event, but the only video they've got is of themselves on a physical stage. I need to see them like here, you know, I need to see that they know the right place to look. I need to know that they've got the right equipment that they know how to use it because too many of them got presenters doing this. Yeah, And so that's one of the reasons that we did the partnership with answer stage was to provide our speakers with a way to create a video that showed them as virtual speakers. Right. And, you know, it worked like a charm because you could very quickly see who knew what they were doing and who didn't, or who didn't have the proper equipment to look good on camera. So yeah, the whole like camera work thing with virtual speaking it's incredibly important and you need to know what you're doing. I had a facilitator who wouldn't take my direction. And so it was a small intimate group of women talking about something really serious. And she leaned forward and like murmured her way. And so we heard, we hear her murmuring, but we're looking at her forehead the whole time. And then she kept losing track of who had gone. Wait, did Mary go? Wait, Mary, did you, I wait, uh, screen changed again. Like it was, it was that kind of event. I'm like, no one feels like you're holding space for them right now. Like you think you're doing it because you're like, oh yeah, but it's like we're just seeing the top of your head. <laughs> it boils down to, I love what Bobby said. Have the right equipment, know how to use it. But there's also, and yes, we've been talking for 15 minutes. I want to go back to the boredom. So, or rather, the uh, how to not cause boredom, be boring. What is, because that's, the equipment is one thing. You've got that covered. But there are so many other things people can do wrong. So what is your favorite um, boredom solution? I I'm gonna let John should go, or Robbie. Like, I have got a story later that'll just curl your hair. But they should go first with the boredom one. That's them. Well, really? as as Robbie's book is Break Out of Boredom, I feel like we should <laughs> ask him to do the boredom question first, then to John, then to Bobby. So, Robbie, go. Great. No yeah, good branding. Um, <laughs> for me, I, I, I think it comes down to understanding what is the purpose of the gathering. And so people coming into the gathering are thinking, feeling, and are doing one thing. And by the end of that time together, you want to be thinking, feeling, and are doing another thing. So sometimes boredom is like not having that clarity and having maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. And so they like throw everything in. I think sometimes it's also like, oh, 
we just learned about how to do this thing. And so they just throw it in. It has, it has no connection to the purpose. And so it's very confusing and distracting, um, you know, not knowing the order that people are going to speak. So everyone who comes, everyone who's put in the spotlight is like deer in headlights. Like that's the kind of stuff I think is another kind of fail. But I think that the real boredom is when we just have a 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat which is still happening in some circles. Like that is still the norm. And so the bare minimum for them is like to rise above that. Um, and yet, you know, John and I can tell you like, there's so much more. I think, I think part of the boredom people are experiencing the, the fatigue people are experiencing is that they're not stretching beyond that sort of tired format and no participants want that. Now we all want engagement. So if it's purely content, and there's no opportunity to ask questions live. There's no opportunity to talk to each other. The chat's been turned off. No one's or no one's paying attention to the chat. I, I always ask clients that tell me they want to do this. I'm like, when people come into your office, you put bags in their head and muzzles on them because it's essentially what you're doing. You're like, we don't want to see you. We don't want to hear from you. We're not, we're going to pre-plan our questions. <laughs> and I it's their fear. It's their and I said, Well, if you want to do that, then why not pre-record and just you know, release it on YouTube. Like why, why even do live? So I have a big thing that we have to make the case for live versus replay. And that usually comes down to not just content, but some form of connection and engagement. So we just have to find a way to meet that need. Otherwise just pre-record and skip getting everyone there at the same time. Well, Robbie, you know, one of the things that happens here that creates boredom. Oh, please. There are people listening to the podcast. We get your example. Keep going. Is the inability to change your tonality at least once during your meeting. And we do get that, right? Like speakers. What actually was a number one research tip from Rachel Kosar, who has a, a tool called Virtual Sapiens Sidekick. And they actually said for 2023, the first thing you can do is Think about how can you vary your tone, right? Change the speed, right? Change the pitch a little or even just a little bit in slowing down and speeding up. And so I do think that that's one of the key aspects of boredom is that speakers aren't trying hard enough to change some stuff up and do something different. Like everyone falls in. I don't know what, Robbie, where did this come? This 4515 thing has like dropped out of the air. Like, you shall talk 45 minutes, right? And then answer questions for 15. And I was like, why did this format come in? Um, one of my secrets is that right now I design most of my programs. So the audience is talking half of the time and it goes back and forth. Oh my gosh, it's a conversation. What a concept, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, like that. But I really feel uh, important, though, Deborah, that there's the number one tip. Let's see if I can get this to work. Oh, good. That did work. Don't it, read the slides. Whatever you do, don't read the slides. It's so amazing to see a presentation these days where a speaker comes in and just reads every mark off the slide. And that is like boredom in a handbag 101. It, it is pretty goofy. And, and I do a lot of speaking, but you all, most people who know me know that, um, yes, I will speak, but my absolute favorite thing to do is lead workshops, whether it's for the pre-event planning or goal setting simplified, because when people interact, it brings that kind of energy. And it's not just interacting in the chat, 
but interacting and sharing examples and finding things to bond over because then they're even more invested in the content. Donna, remind me though, I should just, just tell people that I changed my screen to say the words don't read the slides while I read the slides, right? just to make sure that we don't have either the lame or the blind joke, right? I will make sure we cover that. Thanks, Deborah. Anyway. And so speaking of that though, I think that because earlier I said, speak to every point in the slide, that does not mean read every word on the slide. Right. So have the bullet point version, have the, have the, the five words, the key words, then tell the story. And the other thing you can do is if, you, if you're rehearsing and you're spending two, three, four, five, 12 minutes on one slide, stop sharing your slides and just speak to the camera and then advance the slides behind the scenes and continue and get comfortable making that transition so that you don't have to narrate it. So I, again, like I'll tell speakers, if, if like my, my number one thing is if you put up a question slide, it's going to be there for about 20 seconds and then I'm taking it away. <laughs> so you know, when you knew it's going to disappear, it's because of me. Um, I, I think sometimes we, we hide behind our slides and that's another yeah. version of boredom. But definitely speak to every point on your slide. But that does not mean to read every single word. At South by Southwest, before the pandemic, I actually saw a speaker whose slides were just text, not bullets, not headlines, just text, like like the pages of a book. And this was at South by Southwest. And she read the entire presentation off the slides. And I was trying, like, as I'm watching this going, I've never seen this before. I was trying to figure out if it was actually an accommodation that she was making for people, perhaps, who were hard of hearing. Like, my entire presentation is on slides. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think it was actually just that she was reading the slides. Like, she had them up in front of her. So, on her laptop and she was reading them and I was like, this is really painful. <laughs> and I was watching people leave the room oof, oof. and, and like my heart is just. Was her back to the audience while she read the presentation? No, she no, had the laptop on the podium in front of her. Cause that's my she favorite. Was, she was holding on to the podium for dear life. Oh. I wanted to, did she show you the book? Like, like a kid's book, like, like read the words on the page and then show you the page and then flip it on the laptop. No, no. It was like literally PowerPoint slides, just words. Oh, and wow. I, I, I was trying to figure out like kind of where this was coming from, but the longer it went on, the more people left the room and that, that hurt, like that literally, like this is a person who got an incredible opportunity and did not accept help, ask for help, you know, obviously did not know what to do. So ask for help, you know, if you don't know what you're doing or if you're like, Hey, I want to do a thing and maybe it's a little different ask somebody um i i will i want to also you know i know we're kind of getting toward the end of our time together and i i've been saving up this little story because i think this is an yeah. important topic to cover so obviously with innovation women like a lot of event managers get multiple innovation women 
members through us for a big conference or an event. And one of these conferences, I think got about five or six different innovation women members to speak at it. And they invited me to come to the conference because they had gotten so many speakers from us. And there was one speaker who got up, she had just written a book about salary negotiation and she got up to do her presentation and eh, presentation was relatively light on real actionable content. It was obviously a sales pitch and yeah, a little bit cringy. And I'm sitting there in the back going, Oh no, this is one of my speakers. And then she got to the portion of the conversation where the audience could ask questions and somebody asked a question and she said, no, 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 you're going to have to go and buy my book to get the answer to that. And the event manager grabbed my arm so hard that I think I got a bruise. And she said, She's never speaking for us again. Wow. And I was like, wow. Oh. So sales pitches, no. Value, yes. Actionable stuff, yes. And please, dear God, do not talk down to your audience and tell them they have to buy your book to get the answer to that. Because you are not making any friends. That's awful. I am speechless, which we all know doesn't happen very often. How do you? How? Right? How do you think that's okay? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that is not okay. It's one thing to say, here's all the information and you can read more in my book. It's yeah. a huge difference than saying... I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Go read my book. You know, and the sales pitch is the thing that most event managers, you know, like they're very clear on that one. This is not a place for you to be doing a sales pitch. And if you are doing a sales pitch, we have this sponsored platform over here where you can buy a slot and you can do your sales pitch to your heart's content. But yes, dear God, please, no sales pitches. I was at an event not that long ago. And <clears throat> I, it was one of those that, I, so I do pre-event prep. You know, you go through and you say, okay, these are the different things that I can go to and commit to. And one of the ones that I really wanted to go to, I was late because I had some sort of, I think it was probably when they were retrofitting and it was really, really loud. And I was like, mm. anyway, I turn it on. I'm like, that's okay. They have 30 minutes left. At 30 minutes left, they were doing a sales pitch. An hour session. And they hit the sales pitch before the halfway mark because she was into it. Well, this is where the word webinar really gets such a bad rap, even though mm -hmm. I can see really valid reasons to have that format sometimes. But the term is tied to the pitch because so many entrepreneurs were using it where they were giving about 15 minutes of content and then the like 15 minutes of sort of fluffiness and then and really just driving 30 minutes to to like whatever their sales page was um you know i i don't know i i the people who are 
creating tons of value or the people I want to work with, like right. to Bobby's point. And I'm, I'm always just really disappointed when I work with someone and I can't refer them after like that bums me out. So, so if I'm excited about a product and then it turns out the person's really not someone I'd refer or they don't follow through or they have bad customer service, I think speakers have to remember that they're always sort of on a stage. I mean, that's another fail. It's like in person or virtual, like you could have a hot mic moment just by like being in the bathroom talking about someone. As my mother would say, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say last names. <laughs> Deborah. <laughs> I have so many stories that are examples of people overhearing people talking about people. In the, the hallway, in the bathroom, right? Like at the buffet line. Like like just you know, in a hospital, they've always warning signs. Don't talk about patients in the hallway. Don't talk about like the same thing. Speakers seem to forget that people will tune in and notice what they're doing because they got the speaker tag on because they just came off stage because people saw their name on the marquee, like whatever it is. A speaker foul is like alienating the audience before you've even gotten on stage because of one off-collar comment you made. Um, yeah. I also want to say a, a mistake people make, um, particularly in person, because we don't have the ability to have our pronouns written in front of us, is misgendering someone. And a fail that I had for this was actually an auctioneer at a nonprofit charity event who uh, kept saying, the bid is back to the gentleman in the corner. The bid, the bid is back to the gentleman in the corner. And finally, she's like, I'm not a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Should have used a bidder number. So she's like, not you know, like here's someone who's about to spend all this money, and after like the third time, she's like, I'm done. Like I'm out of here. You know, like, and I'm like, you could just say the person in blue, the person behind the person in red, the person wearing a hat. Like, uh, if you're gonna interact during your Q and A, like just unless you can read people's names, like avoid names and pronouns. Unless if you can see their name tag, use their name. People love hearing their name, yes. but it's too easy to mess up these days. And there are more and more people using they, them that you would not know are using they, them. So I don't, I think that's like, and then this, my, my things from like 10 years ago, but it's probably even more of an issue now that we need to be paying attention to. So don't bore people. Don't make them be in pain, but don't alienate them. Be, don't mispronounce their name. Holy don't cow. Or if you're not sure, say, oh, is this correct? That's right. Ask them. Oh, I always say, I, I don't know if this is Anna or Anna. She'll let me know when she unmutes. Yes. Well, yeah. I always say that, Mike. Because sometimes you just, you know, you have to call on them. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, if, I, some, if I mispronounce, please correct us all. And actually during my sound check with speakers, I will yeah. have the entire team say their full name as part of the sound check. And I yeah. say, this is your opportunity to correct everyone if we've been saying it wrong all these years. <laughs> <laughs> I get phonetic like an MC. I'm going to be an MC for something next week. And I asked for, I demanded phonetics for every single speaker because we are going to say their names before they go on. Mm -hmm. Get phonetics. That's a good point. This has been a wonderful conversation. I know we can go a whole nother hour, but... Okay, let's go. No, I'm just kidding. We've already talked about having the panel back in September leading up to John Chen's Engaging Virtual Meeting Conference. So watch for speaker friends coming again very, very soon. But before we wrap, 
I would love for you all to gift one goal. Is there one thing that speakers can do immediately to completely, I don't want to say remove their fails, but up that speaker game? So, John, what goal do you want to gift? I'm going to give a shout out to my good friend, Rick Altman, who just did a course called Farewell to Death by PowerPoint, right? <laughs> and he's a great designer. He has a conference coming up, too, also in October uh, to check out. And his goal was this, is going, number one, right? You are the speaker. And what he meant by that is, like, nobody ever paid a lot of money at a highfalutin conference to see slides. They came to see you, Right? So that's the first part. And then right after that, he goes, and it's not about you, right? Because nobody wants to listen to Bobby Carlton. Well, I would. But I would listen to Bobby Carlton talk about who she is for an hour, right, when they came for the content. And that's another speaker failure. There was another speaker fail I heard last week. Someone came in in a 45-minute keynote, spent 30 minutes talking about himself and his great achievements, and he lost his audience after minute three. So the key here, right, it's uh, it's about you, and then it's not about you. That's the best advice I could give. Okay, but that's not a goal. We need to make it into a goal. The goal, the goal? is to make your next talk not about you. Thank you. That's all I wanted. There you go. To phrase the sentence in the form of a goal. <laughs> what is a goal? Okay, make your next talk not about you. I love it. Robbie? Well, the tip I have is to get really clear on how you set up before you present. So particularly in a virtual format. So ideally, you have the same location that you're presenting from so you can control your background and your lighting and the sound quality, but even like where you put things on your desktop that you standardize that. And this is something I always do. And I discovered that a lot of speakers don't that every time they kind of get in, they like things are set up differently every time. And I'm like, that's hard. That's more thinking. So how do you get your notes as close to your camera as possible? Where do you put the agenda on your screen? Where do you put the participant window on your screen? Where do you put the chat messages on your screen? When you open up the polls, where do you tuck those? When you open up breakout rooms, where do you tuck those? Is anything else have to be referenced? How do you layer? Like it's not going to be full screen zoom. So you can kind of layer and you don't have to see the full slide to know it's there. Like you can click on it. So if particularly if you only have one monitor, like getting really clear about how you're using that real estate. And then if you have more than one monitor, getting clear on like what you put on the other monitor. So you're still looking in front. So you're looking to the camera and you never have to look over there. So I think some people just wing it all the time. I I don't even know. So my, my goal for them would be to like have a bit of a checklist so that they always open the participant window. They always open chat. They always turn on the closed captioning. They just, they just click through. And if they're using someone else's zoom, they get in, they double check that the polls are right. They double check that the features are there. They need right before the room opens. So you just kind of have this checklist that should probably be a physical list. If you haven't been doing it, you need to create a habit around it. So my goal for you would be to create a habit that is sustainable around how you set up. Excellent. I love it. And before we get the goal from Bobby, I want to just give a shout out and thanks to Olivia, Vanessa, 
Baumgart, I hope I pronounced it right, for saying such nice things about this show, Innovation Women. We're just glad that you enjoyed and everybody enjoyed. So thank you for that. Bobby, what is the goal you wish to gift? I would like you all to think about finishing your presentation on time. Okay. <laughs> Yay! There is nothing that a producer or an event manager hates more than watching a presentation go over time. I've got two examples. Number one, I once saw a, I will call it meandering keynote. And the meandering keynote went so far over the time. And I'm watching the producer in the back do this. And for those who are listening, lots and of I'm hand signals. A, yes. The, the cut it off, wrap, wrap it up, hand, say hand signals. And I'm like, oh God. And the person on stage is actually, uh-huh, I see you. I'm going to keep going. I'm like, oh, that's even worse. The second example is we had a can, can, I, can I add something before you say before you go to your second example? Moderators hate that too. Yes. If you are moderating in a panel and you tell people three minutes an answer and you're going on six and people are like making comments in the private chat, it's a respect thing. Yes. Sorry, you just, that that whole just I had I had PTSD. Next example. The next example <laughs> is I was the last of three speakers. We each had seven minutes. The first speaker kind of looked up from her notes around twelve minutes and audibly wondered, "How much more time do I have?" And the event manager is like, "About five minutes ago," uh, and. Uh, the second speaker chimed in and said, she can have some of my time. At which point the second speaker also went way over. So I, leave? I, don't know, I was like, uh, and I kind of sidled over to the producer and I was like, Hey, do you need me to go short? She's like, you're the keynote. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, Okay. I closed a, a virtual conference recently that was all professional speakers. And I joined at the call time I was told, which was supposed to be like before two speakers before me who were doing short sets. And then I had a long set and it was very clear we were running like really behind. And I'm writing them trying to be like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, keep going, use your whole. And I was like, you know what? No, it's a full day event. I'm going to modify my talk, but I'm not going to announce it. I think that's one of the other fails. People say, well, I don't actually have time for all these slides. So let me go buy them one by one. So, you know, I didn't do them. So I just made some quick modifications, took out a story. I mean, you just got to have your talk done in segments so you can expand it and contract it like accordion style. Yes. And that way I was, I got them done with Q and a on time because that's a professional speaker. So I don't know how we got that far behind. I don't know what happened because I wasn't there all day. But I'm like, you, I kind of think this is one of the things between professional speakers. Like they know this. Yeah. So that's one of the ways you yeah. actually. I have to admit, I don't think I could have done that presentations in, in presentation in less than seven minutes. 
And at that Seven point, it's actually, like, I mean, yeah, that's. But Robbie, I, can, I, can I share the inverse problem? This actually just happened last week. You ready? Oh, no. MC comes in and says they have a bit, right? But I said, what's the bit? And then like they say, well, I can't tell you, right? It's a surprise. That's like red flag number one. Number two, <laughs> the, the MC is scheduled for 45 minutes, right? So they can open with all these opening messages for 45 minutes. MC comes in, does the bit, and the bit is about having your camera off and fumbling around like you can't find the camera, right? Like, you, like you, you're tripping over some stuff. And then he came on camera in three minutes and he goes, okay, and now let's go to our first speaker. 42 minutes before call time for said next speaker. Ooh. And my producer there. I have producers. Luckily, what they did is they were able to step in and they called the speaker who was actually it was an East Coast conference who was on the West Coast and the speaker was ready early. So he jumped on, he jumped on probably 30 to 35 minutes early and saved the whole program. But that is an MC who is like nobody was reading the run of show. Nobody was like on the same page. And that's what happens, right? When that's when you don't have a tech rehearsal where you review all these pieces, right? right. And how much time does each person get? Who do you go after? So you know you're getting ready. Like all that stuff. I mean, planning and preparation, rehearsing, rehearsing in the same modality that you're going to be presenting. Like yes. don't rehearse sitting down and then go to a conference in person where you get to move around because you're just going to shake back and forth because you're not prepared or cling to the, the the lectern. I mean, there's there's a lot of this is just about taking the time to really be prepared. I I already pulled your final thoughts, Robbie and John, so I still need one from from Bobby. I also want to let people know where they can learn more about you. But so mm. I have your final thought, Robbie, is adaptability. Professional speakers know how to do this. John, read the schedule, know the schedule. <laughs> and Bobby, what final thought do you have? Show up early. Because yes. <laughs> you never know when they're going to call you 40 minutes early. That's a pro. Pro shows up early. Pro, pro shows up early, not only because you might get called upon, right. but you also want to hear what the speaker ahead of you said. You want to make sure that that event manager knows you're there because they don't want you don't want them worrying. Like there's so many reasons to show up early. It's a half hour out of your life. Show up early. Make an event manager's day. Absolutely. And that also goes back to if they love you, they're going to ask you back. If they hate you, you've burned a bridge forever. till forever. <laughs> yeah. So friends, where can people learn more about you, Bobby? Innovationwomen.com. That's easy. <laughs> That's easy. Let's hit the easy button on that one. And Robbie, where can people learn more about you? Breakoutofboredom.com is where you'll get all the bonus resources for my latest book. And RobbieSamuels.com is the home of everything that I do. Awesome. And John? And this is your DJ here at engagingvirtualmeetings.com. Make sure and click the link and click subscribe. Back to you, Deb. Thank you. Thank you very like, much. You know, putting the finger on the ear always makes you sound better, right? But it didn't do anything for me. It just made me sound better. And you can follow me. I'm at the Deb Method everywhere. And you can go to thedebmethod.com slash blog for the recap of this and all of these wonderful conversations. And as I mentioned before, you can also listen to us um 
as the Deb Show podcast, which comes out every Thursday. Wait, and Deb, can I share a podcast fail? This is a true fail for me this week. Apparently, yes. Go right ahead. I just signed up on Buzzsprout and created a podcast and then searched for it like three days later on Apple Podcasts and go, where the heck is my podcast? And I had no had not connected the 13 different other places where podcasts can be, where you have to like tell them to subscribe and pick up the feed. Uh, I didn't do that. So that's something I'll be doing this week. That's yes. a real true podcast fail. Thanks. So I'm saying that um, <laughs> podcast fails should be another future topic. <laughs> Maybe we will have it. Maybe it will be a different panel. Uh, I also put the link to my new podcast, Taste Buds with Deb, which is launching in May. The trailer episode's already up. Yes, I get to talk about food. Nothing but the food. Uh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Bobby Carlton, Robbie Samuels, John Chen, for joining me today. Thank you for those, whether you're watching live or the replay or listening to us for choosing yourself, your speaking goals, because you want, <laughs> because dramatic pause, you want to do more, be more, let more people know who you are and your message. We're giving you permission. Go out there, go for it because we know you can do it. Thanks for listening to the Deb show. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Need more inspiration and motivation? Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow at The Dev Method on social media, and check out thedevmethod.com. Best of luck with your goals, and remember, you can do it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.